parts of our faith uh, and this week we're thinking about prayer and what does it mean to pray well I'm delighted that Fiona's speaking to us on this so I'm going to pray for her Heavenly Father thank you for your word thank you that you've spoken to us through it down the centuries we pray that today it would be fresh and new just as it was written that your spirit would speak life through it to us give us open ears and hearts to hear and obey and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning, everybody, and um, thanks for the prayer. And I just hope that the words that I'm going to be telling you, that it will, it will have resonance and that it will sink and that we will have an understanding through Jesus. Amen. If there's one thing that I can instill in you all this morning is that when reading from Deuteronomy 31, 6 to 8, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. Specifically in verse 8, the Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. We want to need God's kingdom here on earth. End of chat. Luke 11, verses 1 to 13. Jesus teaches us on prayer. Jesus had a lot of time for prayer and personal reflection. During this Lent period, we're reminded how Jesus entered the wilderness after having been baptised with the Holy Spirit by John. Whilst in the wilderness, there he prayed. The disciple who in the passage reached out for the teaching referenced John because he actively taught his followers how to pray. Prayer is massive. We're able to communicate directly with our maker be in conversation with the creator of the universe, being at one with our emotions and feelings. Prayer is vital. Jesus teaches us how to pray. When we pray, we honor our faith. We call upon our heavenly father, who is the pinnacle of our faith, the one in who we put our trust. We are his children, his children of his grace, prayer is based on a relationship. Jesus tells us to call God Father, Abba, but also draws us deeper into relationship. Prayer is therefore an expression of that relationship and a way to strengthen it. Just like in any friendship, you have to communicate. So we have to communicate. So in our relationship with the Lord, we have to share ourselves with him in prayer. It takes time, effort, even discipline, but so does every relationship. His name is holy. Holiness is at the heart of God's identity. His character. For example, Moses at the burning bush or Isaiah's vision in, one six, in Isaiah 6. His name is sacred, the great I am. When we're reminded about the holiness of God's name in our prayer, 
It is like we put him back into the right place. He is the Lord and we are not, so our prayers get a better perspective. Your kingdom come. What a prayer. Not only are we asked to remember the holiness of God's name, we are also invited to pray that his reign, that his reign and rule come here on earth. So our prayers are never just about our requests or desires, but about his purpose in the world. And he is our friend. He provides and gives us all we need. After we prayed for the big stuff, that is our relationship with him, his holy name, his kingdom coming, then we can cement that relationship with what we want. We avoid using him like a divine vending machine giving out and receiving nothing in return. At this point, I'm reminded of when I was, when I was younger, I had a birthmark, and from, from like obviously from birth. And this birthmark I hated. I really hated it with a passion because it was on my leg, and children used to refer to it as being a spider and everything else. And I prayed that God would remove this birthmark from my leg, and it never happened. And then at the age of 10, I went to Barbados and straight away I was commented on and people would say, oh, what a beautiful birthmark you have. So I then moved on from that thought about prayer. My prayer was answered, but not in the way I had expected. Our sins are forgiven and we're able to forgive others. This part is of huge significance. Expressing receiving of God's forgiveness by extending it to others is central to the prayer and Christian life. Generally, we must learn to forgive. This demand is not easy, and it's not an easy thing to do, forgiving someone who has hurt us deeply. Jesus demonstrates this willingness to forgive quite aptly there in Luke 23, verses 34 to 43, the crucifixion. He cries out, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Then a catalogue of abuse takes place. They divide up his clothes, casting lots for claiming items. The rulers sneered. He saved others. Why can't he save himself? The soldiers mocked him and offered him wine. They stuck a sign above his head, which read, This is the king of the Jews. Even one of the criminals hurled insults. In, hurled insults at him. He had already asked his heavenly father to forgive them. Even on the cross, he was able to save yet one more sinner, the criminal who asked to be remembered when Jesus came into his kingdom. Jesus reassured him with, I tell you the truth, I tell you the truth, today you will be in with me in paradise. That is love. We ask not to be led into temptation because we know that the flesh is weak. Jesus was also tempted and understands what it is like, but he never gave into it. But he but never gave into it. But God is slow to anger, and Jesus has released us from this yoke. When later in Luke 22 verse 39, Jesus prays on the Mount of Olives. His prayers, he prays his disciples do not fall into temptation. When Jesus was in the garden of Gethsemane, he prayed that the cup of the cross be taken away from him, for it was not his will, but that of God. 
the willing servant knew that his glory will come. As he prayed, an angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. We live on earth, which is fractured, which is a fractured existence. We cry out with lament, change this world, and soften the hearts of those who do wicked things. Why doesn't Jesus' light shine all over this world? I am blessed with having close contact with the people in our community. I hear their angst, I feel their pain, I'm only able to empathise. Every experience comes with compassion and hurt. I have no, ex no solution. I can only be a vessel for them to utilise an ear to echo their feelings, I pray. Unanswered prayers, injustices and inequalities plague our world. With the news of the passing of baby Victoria this week, a total innocent with no understanding of our world has returned home for whatever reason. We will never know. We hear that earthquakes continue to hit areas, vulnerable people, their plight unimaginable, but being endured. May we remember that God has his hand in everything and somehow prayer is what we are called to do, even when we can't see the answers. We may not see his purpose when we're in pain, but we must have the confidence and belief that our prayers will be answered. The wondrous passage in Luke 11 urges boldness or persistence in prayer, assurance that efforts will be rewarded, a parable and a promise. The parable, a strange one, the neighbour who knocks late at night, is rewarded due to their boldness. Culturally, during Jesus' time, neighbours would demonstrate hospitality more eagerly. You wouldn't be asking if you didn't need it. And this would have been a universal language. But is Jesus saying that God is like the reluctant householder? Not really. Not really wanting to um, get up and answer the request. No, surely the little parable is told to show how different God is from the householder, but also to remind us to ask, keep asking, and be prepared to ask with shameless audacity, the, um, the I want of a child. Christ reiterates in fluent language that our requests will be heard and answered. Knock and the door will be open to you, for everyone who asks receives. The point here seems to be that Jesus invites us to keep going, keep knocking, asking, seeking, and you will receive your answer. It may not be the one we want, but the one the one want the one we want, but he promises to answer. A line from the film, The Last Marigold Hotel, which um, which Tom Light sort of brought, um, brought my notice to. And I know that Eileen would know that we were just talking about this film during the week. The part of the film which says, everything will work out in the end. So if it hasn't worked out, then it is not the end. Maybe here we need to think the Lord will answer us in his way and in his time. Our Father in heaven gives us the Holy Spirit 
and the at the time of Pentecost, his disciples received the Spirit, which regenerated their purpose, fueled them with joyful obedience. Jesus indicates that the Holy Spirit is the greatest gift we can receive, the Lord's presence with us. We have the honor of the Spirit, Jesus living in us, strengthening and empowering us to live as his people. We live in the light of the Spirit because of the sacrificial lamb that is Jesus. We have boldness and of, we have boldness of will because we are confident. Paul wrote to the Ephesians in 3.14, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and how deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all fullness of God. As I said in the beginning of this sermon, may God's kingdom be rooted here on earth and that we all have access to it. May prayer be one of the ways we can enter into it. Into it. Amen. <clears throat>